Hi, and welcome to the Hazelnuts. Wouldn't some hot buttered popcorn hit the spot right now? Wow, am I hungry just thinking about it. We're both very excited about what we're talking about doing here. Really cool when you think about it. Yeah. Probably should tell everybody who we are. I guess I was just thinking that. <laughs> they know who you are from ACB Radio, but they don't have a clue who I am. They know that you are the big R. There you go. <laughs> and I'm known as the woo-woo wacky witch hazel from <laughs> some dice world. We're really happy to be here on this, the first of our cooking show. Really happy to be here on ACB Radio. Well, I am honored to be doing this with you. I mean, I have heard some of your demos, and I know that you make a lot of really good food. I know you are so great as a techno buff, techno whiz, and you are so much fun and so nice and helpful to so many people. So I am just honored that you said yes. Let's just talk about me for the entire show. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I am. Um, I do host a podcast called Accessible Devices. Okay, great. And um, I've been doing that for must be six years now. Wow! And where and is that? Where can they, we find that? Just search for A Eleven Y, like for accessibility. Just A Eleven Y space devices, and we're also on Accessible Devices. And there's a dash between accessible and devices, so accessible dash devices dot com. There you can find. A lot of my demos, some other demos there, and, of course, the podcasts. And for those who don't know me, I have radio shows here on ACB Radio Interactive. I'm sure some promos will get thrown in, but I have podcasts as well, and you can find those on DebbieHazelton.com. Debbie is with an I-E, and Hazelton is H-A-Z-E-L-T-O-N. And you have a music show, too. I have two music shows. Two music shows. One is the Good Energy Mix on yep. Mondays, and the other is In the Quiet on Tuesday evening. Yeah, I fell asleep during that one. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people do, and that's okay. I have fallen asleep during it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I have. I was like, oh, my God, what time is it? I better... Well, this peanut butter that you were talking about. Now, I got that, and I don't remember much about why I got it or what was... Oh, are you talking about PB2? Yeah, tell me, tell us about that. All right, PB2. Did you did you get some? I had some a couple of years ago, and now I don't remember. Isn't it supposed to be less fattening? Sure. Let me tell you a little bit about it. You can either get it by the bag or by the jar. Mm-hmm. And I prefer it from the bag myself because you can dip into the bag rather than trying to dip a tablespoon out of a jar. It's easier for me. Or uh, you know, you can take the jar and pour it into like a lock and lock container mm -hmm. or whatever, but I just prefer the bags. You can just scoop it up from the bag. But originally, PB2 was made for camping. And then as the no fat, or the low fat, I should say, craze came in, they realized that um, it had the potential to really sell. And so people started using it for a lot of things. And then there's a, a plantation site um, they make several different uh, – well, let me back up. Uh, PB2 comes in several brands. One of the brands that I get and that one can get is from uh, Amazon called Plantation. And the Plantation website has all kinds of recipes. Ooh. And um, I've got to say one of uh, one of my favorite recipes 
is um, PB2 brownies. Oh, oh, I heard goodness. you. Yeah. Oh. So here I am. You invited me over today, and you don't even have any made for me. Oh, yes, there are some right here. Oh. There are some right in front of me. Now, <laughs> each each bar, now I realize, you know, but just picture a picture a regular size brownie. So we'll just picture a regular size brownie. I could say, you know, each brownie has, you know, yada da, so many calories or whatever. Um, but a regular size brownie has 132 calories per brownie for a PB2. And I, I believe that's, I don't, percentage wise, I, I, I don't want to give the wrong information, but it's a lot less. Than a regular brownie, um, I I I could eat half a pan of them. So, could, and by using the powdered, it just means you're not adding as much other fat, right? Isn't that yeah the big advantage? Not, oh, the, the fat has t- been taken out of the PB two. Wow! And um, I have literally made, you know, I first of all, there's not anybody listening to the show right now. Uh, you know, we can we realize that we have we have no listeners, just like on my podcast we have no listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can safely say that I've taken a half of a pan of peanut butter uh, of uh, brownies, and almost eaten a half a pan. I know that's you know that's wow that's counterproductive. That's, and would you like to talk about PB two a little bit more? I don't care. Whatever you want. Let's talk about. Let's just do it all of it. Okay. The. The PB2 brownies, um, since they don't have many carbs, they're more of a dense brownie. They're not as cakey to the Ooh. to the bite. Yum. And um, if you, I mean, I'm, I try to encourage people on Twitter to try them. And um, I had a couple of people, you know, say that really they're really interested in it. Do you use it as a dry ingredient? Yep. Okay. So you could take something that calls for flour and use a little less flour and use some of that. Mm-hmm. And they have it in peanut, the regular peanut butter flavor or chocolate, and I've used and loved them both. And oh, man. I also put them in smoothies. Oh, that's perfect. Or peanut PB2. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to get some more because I had a hard time getting it for a while. I got it. And then Amazon wasn't. Amazon.com. They weren't carrying it for a little while. And then I guess they got it back again. So I wow. think it was Dr. Oz where I first heard about it. Oh, uh, yes. I don't remember where I first heard about it, but listen to this. Okay. You can also, with a few uh, ingredients, like uh, uh, use a little coating and other things. Uh, but the main coating for your fried chicken uh, with PB2 is just absolutely out of this world. Really? That's yes. interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a peanut chicken kind of something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or a peanut sauce. Mm. Yeah, I've not tried that for the sauce, but I've tried it in peanut butter coating for chicken. It's just incredibly good. Have you made peanut butter cookies? Ooh. Banana bread. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be good. I oh. love peanut butter cookies. Oh, I do too. I... Oh. Peanut butter cookies, chocolate peanut butter, banana bread. Oh, uh, uh, you know, I don't. See, I suffer from <laughs> wanting everything, you know, all the time. My dog may get excited here, but oh, peanut butter <laughs> dog biscuits. <laughs> I yeah. used to make dog biscuits. They're yeah, I know. I did. Yeah, we have a bone-shaped deal. Yeah, and uh, we bake the. Peanut butter. Uh, I mean, uh, well, actually, we have put some peanut butter stuff in mm-hmm. when we make uh, biscuits. Sometimes, I mean, we don't do it all the time, but 
No. I've done it with like whole wheat flour and bouillon and garlic and Parmesan cheese. Sounds like a poultice for a cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you have, you've been cooking for a long time too, right? I have been cooking. Well, let me tell you how I got started in cooking, actually. My grandparents used to have a farm. I would drag out my, my grandmother's pots and pans and stuff and just start you know, warming things up and reheating. They didn't think anything of it. Being blind or anything, they didn't They didn't think anything of it. They just kind of let me pursue, you know, things like... And I'd warm up chicken and things on top of the stove because back in those days, we didn't have microwaves. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'd cook with Crisco and stuff like that, you know, doing some reheating and things. And that's how I first got started. I want to tell you, then I experimented by, uh, you know, mixing up uh, things that just shouldn't ever have been mixed up. <laughs> you too, huh? Oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I would say to my, you know, my grandparents, what color is this? Do you want to try eating this? Well, you know, they, of course they didn't. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I would start mixing up sugar and flour and different kinds of things. And, I, you know, by that time I was you know, maybe 11 or 12. <laughs> and so it wasn't like I, I really kind of wanted to know how things went together. Mm-hmm. Well, then as I got a little bit older, my dad was working at the time and I was probably in junior high, I would think. And I started to really put together some things that really tasted okay. And uh, my dad would eat them, and um, <laughs> he uh, survived for many years. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've been cooking for probably, uh, you know, really, really serious cooking ever since I was maybe 15. Oh, that's uh, At least 15 or 16. yeah. How about you? Me too. Actually, I would start, I remember somebody giving me uh, a first Braille cookbook and I would, you know, make some of the things. And then I took regular home ec. I was mainstreamed in a regular, uh, regular mainstream school. So was I. For a while. At one point I went away just to get out of the house and do something different, but, and to get more into my music um, I did things backwards. Most people go to a residential school and then they go to mainstream. I did it the opposite way. <laughs> but uh. when I was in the public school, I took regular home economics and I cooked and, you know, did all kinds of stuff right along with the rest of the kids. And my teacher was tough. I mean, if, if I made any mistakes or whatever, I would get, you know, she would definitely, you know, tell me about it. I mean, she didn't spare me or, you know, just make excuses And, um, I made meals and stuff in there. And then, and then, like I said, my mother would say, you know, don't cook unless I am home. Well, then I started making some really Uh, concoctions. I was a picky eater growing up and yet I was always fascinated with sort of, well, the smells of food when they were cooking and the way you could throw things together and have it turn into something good. And I was picky. And yet when I when I liked it, I really liked it. My sister th- always said she didn't think my mother was that good of a cook, but I liked a lot of my mom's cooking. So I did strive to cook a lot like her cooking. And then gradually I've branched out. I remember when I told her that I liked leftover fish on a salad and she said, ew, that sounds awful. Well, now fish on a salad is one of my favorite things to eat. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just a great meal that I will eat you know, anytime throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to be quite popular. But years ago, I never heard of anybody doing it. It would be maybe shrimp on a salad or maybe chicken 
but I now I hear steak on a salad. Oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm certainly no professional cook. I have taught cooking as a assistant cooking instructor, but I've I've made a lot of mistakes in my day, and I will continue. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's also some of what we talked about that we want for the show. We want. To hear your mistakes. <laughs> yeah, we want to hear your mistakes. Well, one of the mistakes that I've made before was my son at the time was um, uh, what? <clears throat> let me let me back up. Uh, <laughs> Debbie and I have talked before about putting the show together, and we we said let's mention at least one mistake that we've each made while we are um, putting the show together, and uh, <laughs> mine is coming up. Oh, good, good, good. It, good. My son was twelve, around twelve years old at the time, maybe eleven. And uh, he was going to a karate class, and I really had to hurry up because he and I were going to walk to the um, to his karate class, and it was probably maybe about a mile and a half away, and it was a nice hot summer day, and I was cooking a big pot of beef stew, and I got to tell you, um, <laughs> all kidding aside, my beef stew is really good. Oh, that's good. And, <laughs> So I was pretty excited to have some good old beef stew. And we were just getting ready to leave, and the stew was done. Oh, and, it's done. Okay. Yep. And But I was going to make the gravy at the end because everybody knows that at the end you've got to thicken up your stew. Well, I mean, not, everybody doesn't know this probably. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really should thicken up your stew with some kind of a gravy. Well, uh, I was in a hurry because we had to go, and somebody else in the household was going to eat after we left, and so they were going to mine the stew and everything and shut it all off, and we were going to eat later. And uh, being in a hurry, which is something that I always I always <laughs> tell people, be careful when you're cooking. Yeah. A lot of the people are under the impression that because you turn the oven on, you should hurry up, or you should hurry with things and and. You know, I'm not the slowest person in the world, but I am really careful about, you know, timing and try to get everything together, <laughs> except for this time. <laughs> and uh, I stirred in my flour, so I thought, and it was getting thick. Uh-oh. It was staying about the same, hmm. about the same, about the same. And I said, Ryan, we really have to get going to class. I don't. I just don't have time to uh, finish the gravy. I'm going to leave it on the stove, and it can you know the um, person will come home and will you know continue to stir it. Not that I left it on, but I left it. I knew the person was going to be home in just a couple of minutes, and so I left it on as low as, as it would go on simmer or below simmer, that really low point. Yeah. I came back home and I said that. <laughs> Really was the most horriblest. Oh no! Stew that you have ever made. Oh not, no! Not hurt your feelings or anything. But what I want to know is why, in the world, did you decide to put powdered sugar in there? <laughs> <laughs> now powdered sugar feels a lot like flour if you're in a hurry. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And so my son and I were sitting down to, and I, but I wasn't told this until I, you know. Till I was started eating the the stew, and Ryan, Ryan said, "Dad, this is really good. Could we?" And I just no, 
we cannot do this again. <laughs> oh no, he liked it because he it liked was it. So it. Sweet. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's funny. So that's my big mistake. That's only so, you've only made one. I'm oh no, no, we'll we'll put several of my blunders <laughs> in there. <laughs> oh yeah, I've made several, and and poor Larry because I lived at Larry's for a while, and he used to tease me. Because now and then I used the smoke alarm as a timer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it went off at different times, so you never knew, you know. That's right. Wait yeah. a minute. How come it's done? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But, yeah, I mean, there are there are a lot of very, very funny things. I mean, there was the time I was at my, I still lived at my mom's. You know, and that's the thing about when you live with other people and they put things in different places and you don't always know why or you think that. You know, I'm thinking the box, the big box above the washer and dryer is washing powder. Oh, please. Uh-oh. I poured oh, no. a cup of powdered milk into the laundry. <laughs> well, I washed the floor with cream of wheat. <laughs> <laughs> My mother would say, you know, don't cook unless I am home. Well, then I started making some really uh. concoctions. Like, I just today, I made my, my roommate now has what I have been getting rid of this yeah nasty respiratory thing and i knew there was a box of lipton onion soup mix in the cupboard now it's not the cup of soup but it's no 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 i understand packets Yeah. yeah well years ago one day i was looking for some of that in my mother's cupboard and i thought that's what i had it was the same shape box it had two packets in it I opened up one of the packets. It smelled like onion. So I threw it into boiling water. And I mean, that stuff rose. like oh, no. It was awful. It was going everywhere. And the stuff was sticking around the burner. And it covered the pan thinking, let me turn it down. Let me cover it a little. Oh, no. It was sticking to everything. And I'd stir it. And there were these huge, huge balls of something i'm thinking man i didn't this is some kind of soup with instant meat or something in it what the hell is this and so i cooked it for 10 minutes like you were supposed to do with the lipton onion soup and then i turned it off and i didn't even want to taste it so i i threw it out and i waited for her to come home and i got the box out of the trash i said what did i make today she said oh that's instant potato pancake mix (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i bet we'll get a lot of entries of listeners who have made some really incredible mistakes very very funny i know i've heard of a couple of people who thought (laughs) who thought they were putting butter or peanut butter on a piece of bread and then found that they had mixed up where the bread was and the kitchen sponge. <laughs> and um, I one day went to make shake and bake chicken. I was also still living at home. All these things happened when I was living at home. I'll, I'll have to think of something that I've, oh, I got a great story of something that happened <laughs> with not living at home when I was living in Atlanta. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but anyway... um I um started to make shake and bake chicken and I reached in the refrigerator and I felt this package and it felt through the package like they were chicken legs 
and I opened it up and they were shaped like chicken legs. And I thought, yeah, but chicken is slimy. These aren't slimy. And I took it out and I hesitated and I thought, no, 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 these are not, these do not feel like chicken. They, they might be, might be shaped like it, but they do not feel like chicken. So I looked around in the refrigerator and sure enough, I finally found something that was definitely chicken legs, but I almost made shake and bake squash, summer squash. And I've had people say, oh, you should make that. That would probably be really good. You know, it might, it might, it might make summer squash taste better, <laughs> have more flavor. Oh, well, when I was in Georgia, I lived in Atlanta for about a year and a half. Uh, the second time I had lived in Georgia years ago, too, when I was finishing graduate work or doing graduate work. But I had a gas, a gas stove and a gas oven. <laughs> <laughs> And I never, I had cooked, as a matter of fact, I cooked once on Paul Edwards or twice on Paul Edwards gas stove. And boy, oh boy, even with the, even with food on low, man, I burned the bacon the first time. Uh Didn't, didn't set off the smoke alarm, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) and, but I learned, you know, that was the first time I got introduced to cooking on a gas stove. So sure, this had a sure. gas stove, and it was really old. And I fortunately did not get burned. Oh, my goodness, I was careful. But early on, I set off the smoke alarm, making a baked potato. And there was just a tiny bit of butter on the outside, of it, you know, in the oven. And, and that was, I mean, it wasn't enough, you know, for any reason to set off the smoke alarm. So I was baffled. And, um, so I kept cleaning out the bottom of the oven and, and I had foil in the bottom and I kept cleaning it out. And so another day I was baking something and I can't even remember, I guess I was baking maybe some brownies or something. And it was cold, fairly cold out. I mean, it was like in the high 30s or something. And I kept smelling smoke. And I thought, man, this is weird. So Larry, I had called Larry about something. And he happened to call me back right in the middle of all this. And I said, Larry, <laughs> I said, I don't know what's going on, but I... um I keep smelling smoke in my oven and I've set off the smoke alarm a couple times with just doing hardly anything. And I said, right now, you know, it smells really horrible. (laughs) And I said, I've opened the windows and it's 30 some odd degrees outside, but I've opened the windows. I got the fan on. So Larry and his calm and so realistic kind of, you know, way he says, well, what's in the bottom of your oven? And I said, well, I've got some foil in there. And he says, no, no, no. What's under your oven? I said, there's a drawer. And he said, do you have anything in it? And I said, yeah, all my pots and pans. He said, that's not for pots and pans with a gas oven. (laughs) That's a broiler. (laughs) You're not supposed to put your pots and pans in that in an older style gas oven. So, oh boy, I was laughing because basically I melted all my, all the handles and everything on the pots and ha- pots and pans and it was probably going to all start burning up. 
So I got onto Twitter and I told people what had happened. And some people said, yeah, they had made that mistake. But one person said that she had made the opposite mistake. She said she started out with a gas oven where she was used to the bottom drawer as a broiler. And so she went to an electric oven and she put a steak in that bottom drawer and she kept wondering why it wasn't getting done. (laughs) Oh man, I mean, wild, so funny, so, so funny. But the, you know, what I love is to laugh and not, it's not, it's nothing, nothing to feel really embarrassed about or ashamed of. I did one time make a, make a, Hala to take to someone on Passover and just oh I forgot to put the I forgot to put the eggs in eggs are central to a hala. I was like well I'm doing this recipe and I'm gonna do this last and then I forgot and and I substituted I don't know a couple of different things it was so funny it was more like cake the person I was dating at the time made me bring it he said oh bring it and um the people loved it. I was like, don't eat that. But oh no, they loved it. What we want you to do is to have fun with cooking. And so I think we'll probably cover a range of easier to not always so easy kinds of things that we've made and or or are learning about. And but we also really want it to be fun and we want it to be real. And so we'll tell you about times that we touch our food making it and that it's you know and that it's just real stuff down to earth you know hopefully not too gritty but yeah 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 how did you get over the fear of the heat in the kitchen like stoves and grills and um the students that i taught uh were really afraid of i hear that a lot a lot of the heat or the sound of the heat and um uh, you know i'm so used to it i I would get them over that fear. Yeah. Uh, But why were you not afraid of it as I uh, was not? I wasn't. I think I just grew up. I I remember my sister had a little stove long before the, was it the Holly Hobby oven or whatever that, uh, that Easy Bake oven. Oh, the Easy Bake, yeah. Easy Bake oven. She had a little stove that we would plug in. I remember melting candy cigarettes in it, uh, <laughs> my Play-Doh in it, mixing it with water, all kinds of stuff. And I had a little iron that heated up. And I was always one who liked to feel the oven when it was on. Um, we had two ovens in our house, one um, above in the kitchen and one lower. I remember frequently for big gatherings, there was a huge 48 cup coffee pot and when I was a little kid, I mean, it would be on the floor and it would be up to my waist practically. You know, that thing was so big. So I just got used to touching and, you know, feeling the pans, hearing them, helping. Um, I remember my mother baked um, Aunt Jemima cornbread, Aunt Jemima um, cinnamon rolls. 
and there it would come with his own pan in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, little, we, the little tin pans. Yeah, and we would yeah. fill the bag, the egg and milk and anything else would go in this bag, and my sister and I would squish the bag as yeah. a way of mixing it all, and then she'd put it in the pan and bake it. Well, I was just always around all that stuff happening, and I would always go out to the grill, and at that point, I still had light perception. So I used to love to look and see the the... Um, the light from the fire of the grill, and um, so and what kind of a grill are we talking about here now? We, that was an outdoor charcoal grill. Okay, okay. But I have never been comfortable with charcoal. That's one place I'd like to be more comfortable. I, I'm very comfortable with the. Uh, this is great because I'd like to talk about that and hear more about that. I've done a lot of gas grilling, and I've done I've worked with a smoker, a charcoal smoker, but I still. I mean, if I was, if I had a smoker now, I had other people around. If I had it now and I had to start over, it's been a while since I've done it. I'd be a little leery of doing it with the charcoal, probably. So, yeah, that's one place the leeriness could come out. But I, I've had other listeners tell me, and it was actually other blind people way back on the Blink Talk Echo with Willie Wilson. I don't know if you were around with Blink Talk in those days with the. No, I wasn't. But um, that's how I first got into. Um, online communication with from Blink Talk and 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 CompuServe. Oh God, no! There's I remember CompuServe, uh, yeah. And there were blind people who said, "Get some of those cooking baskets that are like racks with hinges, yep, yep, and oh, yeah. with long handles, and you can put burgers and steaks and vegetables. I've I've liked uh, doing a bunch of kebabs with." Um, shrimp and different vegetables, marinating them in olive oil and herbs, and then putting them in the baskets and throwing that on the grill and putting that over some some rice or pasta. And I, you know, that stuff's fine. But that's where I learned to get comfortable with grilling at all, even from that Blink Talk Echo way back. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into charcoal cooking and um, we'll get into all that. I smoke my own foods. I've got uh, a, I have a, uh, as you and I were talking on the phone a few weeks ago, I uh, was telling you that I have a Traeger grill. Oh, and yeah. That Traeger is a smoker and a grill because it uses real wood and uh, to smoke over. And, you know, you, you know, people may think, well, you've got a digital control. And, you know, I, I will tell you guys about the Traeger as we move forward with different shows and I'll demonstrate the, the cooker. We will cover, you know, sure, we, we will, we will do that. things about um, flipping things and, you know, and it could be thin things like pancakes. I've never made crepes. Um, never made crepes. I don't know if you've worked with kebabs or. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have made kebabs on the grill. We'll get into marinades. Yeah. And we'll get into how to marinate, um, um, what kind of devices one can use, um, mm-hmm. how long to marinate things, so. Yeah, because I know I've done injecting, and I know yeah, I, me too. Um, just poked a lot of holes in whatever I was gonna marinate, and just let it sit there in a bag or in a pan, or you know, just so many different ways. I have this thing called a Denny's meat tenderizer, and it's got like about eighty uh, big long spikes in it that you push down on oh. on a handle, and the spikes come down into the meat. Wow, that's and, cool. Yeah, and you put your you put your rubs on it or whatever you'd like or or not, and then you once you get done scoring your meat, scoring is a term that we'll also get into. But once you start 
in other words, poking holes in the whatever that you want to make, the marinades or rubs can get into the yeah. into the meats that you cook. I have a cake too that I'll have to at some point go into that has this sauce that goes on top of it after it's baked, but you poke a whole bunch of holes and you pour this over it and it's lemony and oh, oh it's so good. It's just, it's really interesting because the sauce just goes down into it. Mm, yum, yum, yum. So I want you to hear what it was that made me decide to ask Randy about doing a cooking show um, with me. This um, this whole thing went so viral that um, he should have been making money on this. Um, I am always really tuned in for any time I find another grill friend. And Randy, <laughs> Randy Sorry. is another grill friend for me. <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you like grill friends too. I, yes, I do. Yeah. I didn't quite expect it to go like this. <laughs> I bet you didn't. <laughs> so, anyway, this is about the Opti Grill. And if you don't have one, I know you're going to want to go out and get one because then we can all be grill friends together. We love We. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Because it's really going to revolutionize your cooking. We really love ours, don't we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say, well, here here I am doing the OptiGrill demonstration then. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> well, here I am doing the OptiGrill demonstration <laughs> then. <laughs> I'm going to say, those two are so wacky. <laughs> They're having way too much fun. <laughs> Since the Georges Foreman Grill was invented in 1994, it has been a mainstay. The first one had no temperature controls. The second one had a temperature control that you could vary from low to medium to high. If you weren't careful, you could burn your food. Move over, Georges Foreman. Here comes the up. Grill. Back off of me, man. It's too piercing. Oh, excuse me. The up the grill. Is that better? Too loud, man. I can still hear you. Would you mind leaving the room? Okay. Okay. The up the grill. How's that? Wow. With the up the grill, you can push a couple of buttons, put your food on the grill. When the food is done, you can hear a beep. I said the beep. That's a buzzer. Let's hear the beep. <laughs> Very good. And now here's more about the optic grill. Hello once again, everybody. It's your friend, the Big R. <laughs> How are you all doing? I'm here today, February 17th, 2015, to talk to you about the OptiGrill. O-P-T-I-G-R-I-L-L. -L, capitalized. OptiGrill is one word. Both letters are capitalized. I really like this product, and I hope if you get one, you will like it as well as I do. Feel free to distribute on your podcasts or through any social network you may choose. First of all, let's talk about 
the capacity of the grill. It can hold about six hamburgers, six chicken breasts, a whole bunch of hot dogs, let's say 10, 12, about 10 bratwursts, maybe six brat patties, a whole bunch of those little tiny sizzler pork sausages, which Big R doesn't care for, but uh, that's beside the point. No editorializing here. Four paninis, four boneless pork chops. On the manual setting, it's good for fruits and vegetables. We can't forget about fish fillets, a whole bunch of them, or a couple of nice whole fish. Mm, sounds great. And now for the operations of the buttons. Before I let you know about the buttons, I'd like to thank Kathy R. for her contributions. She let me know what the buttons were on the OptiGrill. You guys out there are so cool on Twitter and other social media. I follow. Keep up the great work. From left to right, power, defrost, hamburger, chicken, sausage, sandwiches, steak, fish, manual, and okay. In U.S. American dollars, it's about 180 for points beyond, I have no idea what it would cost you guys. You can figure that out, I hope. I ordered over the phone and chose the six pay option. At this point in time, Amazon does have it, but they do charge more for it. The phone number to order in the U.S. is 1-800-846-0972. Again, that number is 1-800-846-0972. The reason for this demo is... I didn't find it very useful when I looked on YouTube for this grill, which I encourage you to do to find out a little bit more about it if you want. They explained it well, but you couldn't hear the sounds, and you couldn't really get an idea on what a blind person goes through to cook a meal on the OptiGrill. I need to mention one more thing, and then we'll get on to the demo. I'd like to thank the VIP Advisor Group on Audioboom for letting us all know about the OptiGrill. If it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here. Well, I would, but the demo wouldn't. So thanks, VIP advisors. As usual, thanks for downloading, listening, and adding this to your podcasts if you feel like you would like to do that. There's one thing I'd like to add. At the end, I invited you all for dinner. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I'm standing in front of the OptiGrill right now. I'm recording on my Bookport Plus internal microphone with the automatic gain control turned on. I'm not using a binaural microphone. When I put this up on the Accessible Devices podcast, people don't have to switch to the headphone mode. Paninis are going to be made with ham, cheese, onions, mustard, and they will be grilled to perfection with the OptiGrill. I will let you hear the beeps that it goes through. I will edit the recording because You'd have to wait here for seven to eight minutes to nine minutes while your sandwiches are done. But you'll hear the beeps as things are progressing. The cord is very long and supple. It bends really easy. I'd say it's probably about a three-foot cord at least. I'm going to plug it into the wall outlet. It will not beep until I hit one of the buttons. The buttons that I will hit today will be power, sandwich, and okay. I can't let this sit too close to the grill because we don't want to grill the Bookport Plus after all. The sandwich is going to be varied just a little bit in the OptiGrill book that I scanned in with KNFB Reader. We're going to use a French toast batter and oh, I've had these before from the OptiGrill and they are tasty. Makes me want to do a happy dance. 
I won't subject you to that. The batter is consisted of one egg, about a fourth cup of milk, tablespoon of maple syrup. Whisk everything together and we'll be dipping the sandwiches one side, turn it over, dip the other side, and each side will remain in the batter about five seconds till it's good and saturated. Then we just wait for the appropriate beeps. One beep will mean that the grill has been reheated. The second beep is, is <laughs> medium and dark. I happen to like a, a darker sandwich where it crunches and everything is mm-mm good. The other buttons can be used for a few things. Uh, chicken roll, just do chicken. Fish for fish, burger for burgers. Multiple items, the sausage setting can be used either for sausages, which includes hot dogs, kielbasa, links, patties, and pork cutlets, pork chops. That's in the also sausage setting. Manual is used for fruits. That means that the grill will not shut off. It won't beep or do anything, but it's used for fruits or grilling vegetables such as zucchini and green pepper and whatever. So you have to keep an eye on the grill. Uh, or, uh, in our case, time management. <laughs> uh, you have to know. So I, I, we're not uh, you know, teaching grammatics here. Don't judge me, all right? Safety reasons, you know, keep everything away from the sides of the grill. I will let you hear a few things. The drip pan. The drip pan slips right underneath the grill under a couple of brackets. I'll let you hear what that sounds like. That just slipped into the bracket. There are plates underneath for cooking, which leaves really nice grill marks. I'll open the grill. The grill has to be all the way open to complete the cycle. When closed, it completes the cycle. You don't want to just open a little bit and you know stick your nose in there. You don't want to burn your nose. I'll let you hear the plates. Here's the, the bottom plate, top plate. And we have to spray this down with a little cooking oil. You can use vegetable oil. I just have spray, cooking spray. They want you to do that so you have a nice quick release when taking things off the grill. I'm gonna spray it. And spray the top. And um, I'm taking an index finger and rubbing it on the grill. They say you can use a paper towel, but let's face it, blind people cook with their fingers for the most part. I do anyway. I don't know what everybody else does, but you're all wrong. <laughs> okay, we're good to go. The um, plates both slip in under tabs, so it's very easy for a blind person to use the grill and to take the plates out for dishwasher use or to scrub down with a little soap and a paper towel. Don't use abrasive things on it. And uh, the, there's a quick release button on the left hand side of the bottom plate. I'll push it in. I'll lift up on the plate. Now I'll just click it down into place. You can hear that it actually locks. The top grill plate is also uh, release with a button. I'll pull that down a little bit, push the button in, pull it out, and I will shut the top part of the grill. I'll put that in place just by pushing up on it. Nice clicks on everything. The grill, when you close it down, it, it measures really thick foods like big paninis or 
chops or as thin as bacon. And you can actually hear the plates kind of fall down onto place because the grill itself is really quite heavy. I'm gonna lower it down. That's the first instance of you hearing the plate fall against the other plate. Top plate touching and I'll release the handle. And that's, that's how much play there is in it. So the whole motion sounds like this. Opening the grill, closing the grill. And you can hear how heavy that thing is. It's a, it's a lot heavier than the foreman. Move, move, move over, George Foreman. Everything beeps. Every time you touch a button, it will beep. So I'm going to power it up. Before I do, I'm going to put my finger on the panini button. That's the fifth one over, if you recall. The order will be power, sandwich, and okay. I'll do that now. Oh, and by the way, use wood spatulas. Do not use anything metal on this grill. Now the crackling that you hear in the background is actually the expansion of the metal on the grill. And the fire that's shooting out of it is an imperfect grill. Just kidding. Okay, you can hear the cracks of the grill as it's heating. Now for some reason I really smell this. I can smell the grill as it's heating up. It's perfectly clean, but I can still smell it. Okay, it's ready. It's preheated. I'll open the grill. And we'll place the sandwich on it. One sandwich. Okay, and we're going to shut it. Ah, and now all we have to do is wait. The hardest part of this whole thing is to wait for them to get done. I do have to say that this grill is perfect for a blind user. It beeps and you don't have to use a temperature probe because everything turns out just great. I can hear the cheese melting right now. Oh, I can hear melted cheese a mile away. Oh yeah. And they say let the grill cool for one hour until you wash the plates. And I agree because it remains much hotter than the George Foreman did because it's built out of heavier material. Oh, listen to that. Now you can open the cover and look at your food, but open the grill all the way and look at your food and then close it. Because if you don't, if you just open it partly, that will mess up the cycle. So they recommend you opening the grill cover all the way. Oh, the smell of this batter is amazing. That's on the panini. 
And that is a spatula that I'm going to use, a plastic spatula with a fairly long handle on it. I usually shorten up my grip on the handle because if I don't, I would tend to throw the sandwiches off onto the floor. We uh, don't want that. Oh, the browning of that batter is smelling so good right now. Remember, the first beep will be cheese is all melted through and the meat is warm, but I do prefer it a little darker. That beep signified that the first stage is done. We're waiting for the second beep. Oh, these are going to be good. Oh, guys, you're just going to have to get one of these grills. There's just no way around it. Now, you know, I don't usually just talk about stuff just so you buy it. I talk about it because I enjoy things and I enjoy bringing them to you. But if you are in need of a grill, I highly recommend this device. Pork chops were made on it yesterday and they were so good. Okay, that means that they are darker, but as I told you, I prefer mine so that there's a nice crunch on it rather than just a little crusty and warm. Oh yeah, they're sizzling now. How'd you like one of these, ladies and gentlemen? I'm not giving my sandwich to nobody. I don't care how well I like you. By the way, feel free to retweet and like and just tell everybody about this if you enjoyed this demonstration. All right, I smell the ham being cooked now. And that is done. Opening the grill right now. And I'm gonna look at it. Oh, they look gorgeous. All we do is close the lid and I'll hit the power button and it's done. I usually don't do this but but I'm going to. you enjoyed this demonstration and we'll see you for dinner. Now it's time for sound bite, bite, bite. Yeah. <laughs> bite, bite, bite. Bite, bite. How I made muffins this week and I found that if I used a muffin pan without the little paper cups where I greased all of those cups, 
and I used an ice cream scoop to fill them, um, not just a tiny bit under the level mark, that filling them that way worked out really well. It was quicker, it was less messy, and they were all evenly balanced. That's what you want to say? As a sound bite, if you want to use it. We just did. Before we close, I'd like to talk with Debbie just a little bit about what's been happening over the past month or longer. It's been so long since we started working with this show, it's kind of hard to put time in its perspective. We have been putting the show together bit by bit. Oh, and bite by bite. Bite by bite. It's a cooking show, bite by bite. Different kind of bite, but bite. (laughs) I usually don't like to talk about this, but I had such a major cold. Oh, yes, you did, and then uh, I got it. And then she got it, yeah. Yeah, you weren't supposed to give it to me over the internet oh, like that. I didn't know how that, that it was possible. <laughs> but for a food person, I lost my total sense of olfactory senses, my smell, my taste. People say I don't have any taste anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is, uh, what is what what date is this? The 17th right now mm-hmm. so and this started way back i guess in um february oh, 20th right <clears throat> and so uh, <clears throat> as we were putting this together neither one of us had vo- much of a voice <laughs> that uh, is true and it's just been going on too long so in closing i'd just like to say it has been quite an ordeal for us to be with put you. It, <laughs> <laughs> to put it together over time, and my voice is still giving me weirdness, you know? I've been, like, you know, dealing with a little bit of huskiness. Well, she was uh, ill. I started teasing her a little bit about sounding like Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah. And, um... Uh, and one morning, you called me, you, you left me a message, and you had a really deep voice, and I told... I told Randy that he sounded like Rhett Butler, so... So we started to call each other Rhett and Bet or something like that. It was <laughs> pretty crazy stuff. Do you have a cooking project or a favorite recipe that you would like to share with us. Do you have a demonstration that you would like to bring to us of your cooking? If you do, we would love to know about it and we will consider having your segment on our show. So use our contact information and let us know about you and what it is you would like to bring to us. We have several ways you can contact us if you're nutty enough. Email us, hazelnuts at acbradio.org. Leave voicemail on our comment line, 206-350-8763, or on Twitter at ACB Hazelnuts. Hey, Randy, can you believe they want to contact us? (laughs) 